Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in today. We have a super cool guest, a comic. He is incredible. You have seen him on Tonight Show, Jimmy Kimmel Live. He's a writer as well, of course. If you're a stand-up, you're a writer too. Uh, he has written The Chase a on ABC, um, Shazam on Fox. He has actually starred in a show that's on, I'm gonna say Amazon Prime, I could be wrong. Faith, hope, and love. Go check it out. Please welcome. Today, we're going to hang out with J. Chris Newberg. Pop yourself on. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. This is so cool to be on your show. I'm so happy to have you. I miss you. And here's the thing what people don't know. I haven't seen you in what? I don't know. 12 years, 15 years, something. Yeah, 12 years, yeah. And how did I meet? How did I meet you? You came to learn how to be an actor. So you came mm -hmm. to my classes, and the only thing I remember, besides you being so incredibly funny, is that you have the same birthday as my son. <laughs> Everything else that's gone on in your life since then, I don't, I don't. Fill me in, fill us in, tell us everything about your story. And also, I wanna sort of guide this for the for this, my clients who are stand-ups, who are transitioning into doing both, you know, stand-up world, into the scripted world and the differences of it and it's a totally different muscle yes yeah absolutely i uh i mean i came from the improv world uh second city when i was living in michigan and when i moved out here right when i moved out here i pretty much started taking classes mm. and i didn't take classes with the I, I realized i mean you don't realize how competitive in every single possible occupation it is when you move out here like if you move out here to be a dog walker get comfortable because there's like hundreds of them already yeah. yeah and I moved out here to act and I was like well I'll meet people and I'll exercise and I learned very quickly that I had no business being in that class because <laughs> it was like a I was nowhere near as passionate as the other people were about it I was just looking like I kind of had my timing and the rest of it was just fascinating to take in because I remember so many of your catchphrases. I remember so many, like, I remember your opening of, all right, all right, pretend like you're in the shower and, then, and all the stuff that, and this goes back like, you know, 13 plus years ago. And, and I remember the act as if, and I remember, and I was, I was telling Ron prior to joining, one of the things that you, that I always would watch you do subconsciously and be absolutely unaware of what you were doing. I do it with talent now when i'm like feeding jokes to a, a person i find myself constantly going oh, oh my god i'm gonna laugh but people that are hearing you say that don't know because they're not in my classes when i'm teaching the comedy okay is it's about that pacing listen take it in have a thought and respond pick mm -hmm. up cues and i would do that so obnoxiously to you and i apologize mm -hmm. but hey that's great yeah, and I, and I didn't understand what you were doing at the time. I was like, am I in trouble? And then, but no, I, but I mean, you, you eventually, you get it, and that's great. I'm so happy that's what you remember. I mean, I, I always remember good stuff, and, and, you know, there was there was nothing bad to remember. I just remember knowing how good I was at stand-up and how hard it was to figure out acting and realizing, no. I mean, I think, when like... You, when you came to me, were you, you were doing stand-up first, right? I've been doing I've been doing stand up forever, and okay. yeah, I mean you were going to dabble in learning about acting. So let's talk about what led you. What was the turning point in your life that made you that was attracted to doing stand up, which is very different. It's your own monologues. It's making people laugh, not other people's scripted material. What was that hook for you? 
And then let's talk about the difference between stand-up and the scripted material. Okay. Um, I think it's, I mean, they couldn't possibly be more different. I mean, it is stand-up, you're right. It is your own monologue. It's your own pace. It's your own story. You're in control of everything, the setting, the, the how, how, whatever you want to do, you can physically do. When you're acting, you're obviously relying on the story. You're relying on who your character is. You're relying on where you're trying to get to into the scene, what the scene's about, what your intent is, the backstory. And it's like, it's a lot. And, you know, when you come from a school of knock-knock, who's their punchline, it's very, very interesting to go about the other stuff. And I remember, uh, it was so funny because I remember I had a, I took a private from you and I laughed at the time because I like, I couldn't, when I, when you first started acting, you can't in any way translate, you can't figure out what a scene is about. There's, you just can't, I couldn't. And, yeah. and I remember I got an audition for Jack Black's, Jack Black's character in that movie that he was in with Ben Stiller and Robert Downey Jr. where Robert Downey Jr. was in blackface. Oh my gosh. What movie was that? Oh, 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 um, in the, in the jungle. Yeah, it's uh, in the jungle. Um, uh, yeah, whatever the movie was, I remember getting the audition for his monologue, and, and I remember showing it to you because I like I don't understand this at all, and you were like, and it was so great because you're always so fantastically honest, and I love that about you. You you were like, how you're going in for this? Are you sure? <laughs> Are you sure you're going in for this? And I was like, I don't know. Oh, what a bitch. What well, no, a but bitch. but I was like, I I didn't understand it, and you eventually explained it to me, and then when I saw him actually do it. Uh, in the movie, it was every single note that you gave me, he actually did that I couldn't figure out, but obviously he's a he's a phenomenal actor. Yeah, but you're a good actor too, but it does take time and it does take training. And it, like, if you stayed in classes, mm -hmm. you'd be, I mean, I don't even know if you've been in other classes, but I it, haven't, it's, no. it's a totally different muscle. It's 1000% because when you're writing all your stuff, well, let's go back to that question. So mm -hmm. what in you, what? happened that you wanted to do stand-up why did your body and your mind your soul make you do this that's your this is your passion yeah i mean i just i knew i was good at it mm. i just I mean, how? how because you can find the timing and like i i know that i've always been able to say things to people that are really questionable in a way that they're not offended mm. and that it makes them laugh mm. and you know i mean i'm not gonna like I've just had that I've just had that ability when it comes to stand up to do that. And mm. it's a likability, I think, but it's an approach. Whereas, you know, because everybody, whenever anyone looks at you in any capacity as a stand up, it's because comedy is so so like subjective, prior to even saying one word, the audience has already decided whether or not they like you, they hate you, or they are indifferent. It's a fact. It's comedy. We're all like I've never heard of that. Who's this person going to be? We have all these preconceived things. And I love that because that's such an advantage to me because I know you're the audience thinking, who's this person? I have no idea who this guy is. And I'm like, oh, I don't care that you don't know who I am. I'm funny. And then it works. So Wait, wait, let's just go back because you have to believe in yourself just like you do as an actor because you're getting judged all the time. I think it's the hardest thing in the world to do stand-up. I, I bow down to stand-ups because... You have to get up there alone, risk being vulnerable and your true essence to connect to that audience. And if they don't laugh, you can't care. 
because mm -hmm. you still have to proceed forward. So I don't know. I think it's just like the most amazing thing anybody can do. It's without question very brave. If you're if you're good at it, it's fun. I mean, it's just like it's where you're supposed to be. It's your you're in the line of fire. It's the most honest thing. That's one of the disconnects or the hardest things about like writing on a show versus mm. writing on a show versus performing something that you know is funny. Because like you'll turn a draft in. Uh, I just I just wrapped the show that you messaged me about. It was just really silly show. Um, I was in a desert uh, for a week in an Airstream trailer next to the host, and all we did was watch really hot people in a really hot desert eat really hot food to see if it would break down their hot like defenses. So I literally had to do joke, 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 and then the showrunner was like, "All right, give me like thirty or forty jokes." you know for tomorrow and i'm like okay so i go i'm gonna write the jokes and i send it to him and in my mind if i don't get a response to those jokes in like 10 seconds i'm like ah oh, they're all bad but of course the showrunner is doing 25 million other things and so you don't have that's what's most fun to me is i love telling a joke that doesn't work i love telling a joke that works because it's just you get to find out you get to learn from each sentence like you immediately those are your notes the crowd how did you know you're good though? Because there's a lot of standups out there who think they're good, but newsflash, they're not. That's so, also true. Um, what is it? What is it? Just the response from the audience. And my other question is, what was your first place where you went and how many minutes did you write that you sat with and rewrote and rewrote until you felt confident to perform that? Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, you can always tell your good if when you say stuff people laugh and more time <laughs> and more times than not basic they, answer yes that's true yeah, yeah i don't i mean i don't have a delusion as far as thinking i'm the funniest person or the best or and there's obviously people who are much better that are that i still watch that are great to learn from but whenever i do my show I mean, I've evolved. I've evolved from I have the I have, from just straight joke, 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 joke writer to my experience and what I'm going through and, and the different sort of things. And that's something that I guess you learn. And some people don't evolve as comedians, and some then they don't go anywhere. And the ones who do, it's it's cool, I guess. But I I, I got to I'm much more like my my America's Got Talent experience, which was. Talk to us about that because some people know about it, some people don't. So yeah, it, it's it was in two thousand ten, maybe two thousand eleven, mm -hmm. but I ended up roasting one of the judges. I think I was the first comedian or contestant on a reality show to clap back at a judge in a in a format where I was like I roasted him, and it went it it went extremely well, and the amount of attention that I got was although short lived was so insanely uncomfortable for me. I think wow. I had 18,000 emails and I think I had like, I mean, this was back when it was just Facebook and I had hundreds of thousands of Facebook messages and friend requests. And wait, 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 I don't mean to interrupt, but tell us what happened. Can you elaborate on the, what, what, you, yeah. had, what you did? Yeah, okay, so I, I went on the, sh I auditioned on the show because a friend of mine was a producer and he said, I think that you can have a good time with the bad boy angle. And I'm like, okay, I had no idea that there was different people, different uh, people were cast for specific, you know, like the 
poor me person, the, you know, root for this person, the family died person, and I was the bad boy. So, and I don't know this, and, and, and it starts off with, I perform at whatever, like, um, the Orpheum. I perform at the Orpheum, and it goes really well. And one yeah. of the judges doesn't like me. And I walk off stage, and it was, and the way they're so good at, that show in particular is so good at ambush. So I walk off stage, and Nick Cannon's standing in my face, and there's a camera, and he's just like, He's like, oh, this judge, this judge, and this judge like you, but this one didn't. What do you think? And I'm like, I'm not even thinking. Right. How can I get everybody to like me? And I'm like, well, you can tell that guy he can suck it. And they print it. And it, <gasps> like, it goes so immediately, I'm the bad boy, but unaware of it. So right. I didn't figure out my role as that character until the very end. And I, I, I think I made top 20 or whatever, but I was voted off. But again, the amount of attention made me go, I'm super okay with being guy behind the guy. Because, okay. I don't know, it's just, it makes me uncomfortable. Like when I would get, isn't that the, I, my first thought was, oh, they, they're recognizing me. Isn't this magnificent? It's like, mm -hmm. am I about to get into a fight? Did, did I talk to somebody that I shouldn't have? Like, and when I realized that, I wasn't being neurotic. I was just press, like, that's my preference. I will absolutely stand up in front of as many people. I'm, I mean, I've, I've done the last big tours I did with Russell Peters and with Dane, it was in front of like 20 and 30,000 people. That's wow. no problem to me, zero problem. Wow. But when people come talk to me from all angles, it's, it's overwhelming. It's too overwhelming. much. It's overwhelming. But, but, but you've had so much success as a standup. Mm -hmm. Why don't you do more acting? Do you just, are you just not interested? You just, you just go towards the writing because Here's the thing, when people are listening to this and they hear you performing in, t in front of 20,000 people mm -hmm. and you're not afraid of that, then mm -hmm. how could you possibly be nervous in front of five people auditioning? I mean, I'm, I'm probably not nervous anymore. Like, I, I think I've auditioned for, since quitting acting, I think I've auditioned for three things and I think I've booked all three of them, one of which was that movie. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's fun. It's definitely fun, but it, it's just like, I don't, I don't have the chops. I mean, it, but it's like, I don't, it's not something I'm focused on. And, and it's like, I, I see what you're saying. And it's something that absolutely I would act in something if someone asked me to do it, if it was small or, or whatever. But I just like writing and I, and I like teaching people how to tell jokes. And there's nothing, there's like, it's pretty cool, like to tell a joke in front of a bunch of people. But like when you pitch a joke to someone and they hit it in front of like 17 million people, yes, they get all the credit. Yes, they're smart, but I said it, that's good enough for me. <laughs> I love it. So what would you tell young actors who are who want to start doing some stand-up? How do you begin? What is the basics? All right, well, let me ask you this question to see if it's a parallel. When someone tells you they are moving to California and they're going to be an actor, do you is the eye do you fight the eye roll or do you automatically think oh wow that's so great i think if you're going to make that leap of faith then you have to train and get really good at whatever it is you're going to do mm -hmm. i don't do the eye roll because i believe everyone has an opportunity if they make it happen if they do yeah. the proper training and they have the, the guts and the, the with you know the willpower to withstand all the rejection Mm -hmm. But I think if I was to say to a young actor what to do, get in class yeah, and start to get to know yourself and really know yourself inside and out and be healthy in your eating and your sleeping and your drinking of your water and taking care of the instrument that you're going to play. So what would you say to a stand-up, well, someone who wants it? Find yeah, yeah. funny things to say, find your point of view, 
because different, you know, it, it is your personality up there. Absolutely. You find your voice. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think my being a comic, you have a tendency to be not necessarily bitter or jaded, but knowing how thankless it is almost as a profession, like, or, and how difficult it is. I always say, write, 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 go up as much as you can and write. But and, do you think, let me just ask you, so for the young people who are just starting, so go to every single open mic night to just test out material? Absolutely. Any opportunity, they say, they say there's no bad stage time, which is not, which is a hundred percent correct when you're starting out. Um, I've done it over 20 plus years. I kind of can figure it out off stage before I need to do it because I just, I know my timing. I know my rhythm. I know my voice. Whereas prior to knowing that I would be up six, seven nights a week, every night for every year, just as much as you can just do it to get it done. And it's, it's very hard and it's very, it's, it's, it's very tricky. I'm sure they're very similar as far as work and preparation. Well, it is, but it's different because in acting, you're taking somebody else's words mm-hmm. and creating the whole inner life and the imagination, combining yourself. Right. Stand up is your telling your own story and writing your own jokes. So if they don't mm-hmm. work, it's all you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just never, I just never even put that kind of pressure on me ever. I'm just like, yeah. I get to tell these jokes. I'm going to. I know it's going to work, and it oh, works. Fascinating. Yeah, and I just, I mean, it's, I've never, I mean, when I, when I tried to do music, that was a different story. When I tried to do acting, it was a different story. You feel vulnerable. You have that whatever. I just don't feel vulnerable with stand-up. You I feel just, that, that it's in your bones. Like, you just knew the minute you walk on stage, you just were present. You didn't, you didn't have the outside critic. You didn't have yeah. any critical voices. No, I've got, I mean, that I will say, but it's from many years of not having, I, I have great presence. I mean, I can, like when you, I've probably cold opened, like, ladies and gentlemen, this guy you've never heard of in front of 10 to 20 to 30,000 people, hundred, like hundreds of times, which is me versus that many people. Yes. And I love it. It's, but I'm wow. never afraid and it's never anything that I would ever consider to be insurmountable. I always literally take it with the approach of they're about to go on a journey with me and it's going to be fun. And I don't, I don't feel like, Oh, that guy's not laughing or she in the back's not laughing. I just, here we go. But is, so what's your point of view? What is the give back that you're giving? Are they, are you giving your dry sense of humor? Are you inspiring the audience with odd stories or your jokiness? What is it for you? I mean, I think, I think it's probably, uh, it's definitely point of view. It's definitely observation, not point of view. It's definitely observation. It's my point of view. It's a person who doesn't feel old, but, you know, is aging every day in an industry where people don't age, you know, and it's my observations of different things that I think. And I think that they are things, you, you know, like, okay, for example, like something a couple albums ago, my perspective, because... It was just like, um, the joke was, uh, oh man, do I hate getting older? It's the worst. The other day I took a nap and I woke up and I had a sprained ankle. And like, if I get into it, it's one of those things where everyone connects to it because they're like, oh, that's a failing thing. And it's my version. It was at the time my version of how I'm deteriorating like all of us are in my own unique way. And then how I combat that with, well, you know, a different, instead of feeling defeated, I kind of make the best of it. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. Riff on the truth. And then you take the ironicness of that truth and embellish upon it maybe just a little bit so everyone can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, you lie pretty much for 45 minutes. You know, you take something that actually right. happened and you spin it. But I don't think people understand how hard it is to write 45 minutes of a monologue to entertain. It is, as they say in Boston, wicked hat, yeah. okay? Yeah, but and, and even more interesting, like, for example, um, okay, did you watch the Emmys? This, yes. This, okay, I got two jokes. I wrote two of the jokes in the Emmy monologue. No, the, what? Oh my yeah. God, I'm so excited. Which ones? I wrote the opening joke, uh, which was, uh, it was, uh, there's so many talented people here. In fact, lock the doors. We're not leaving until we have a new host for Jeopardy. I wrote that Loved joke. it. Fantastic. And, and then the joke for Anthony Anderson. Uh, Anthony Anderson is nominated again for the 12th time. Uh, still no victories. It remains hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> so I wrote, like, what happened was Cedric's writer called me or sent me an email a few days before. And he said, we are short on monologue jokes. He goes, we need him in Cedric's voice. He goes, think, he goes, think cutting edge, but not mean spirited. And he goes, just think Cedric's voice. And I was like, okay, cool. So I sent him over like 12 jokes and he's like, these are great. These are perfect. And I was like, cool. And I had no idea if they were going to use any of them or whatever. Okay. That is such a thrill. And actually, congratulations on that. Thank you. I actually thought he was really funny he and was great. he did a great job in the Emmys. Most people didn't even watch it, but I watch all the award shows. I'm mm -hmm. a sucker for that. But can I just interject a year, years ago? And I know how good it feels to write something for somebody else. Uh, my husband was a executive producer on the, the show, the nanny many years ago. Okay. And then when he was still writing, he got hired to write um, this pilot for Judith life. Okay. And he asked me, He's like, and I was like a struggling actress at the time. And he's like, I'll pay you this amount of money. Just sit with me and write. And I wrote some things and I came up with this really, in my mind, the stupidest joke. Well, guess what happened? That was in the pilot and Judith Light did my joke. And to this day, I swear to God, it feels like the most exciting thing that's ever happened. So I understand oh, yeah. when you say writing like that and then having someone else deliver your joke, mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, it's fun. And and like sometimes when uh, some of the people on the chase or, or on Beach Exam or whatever, they'll be like, oh, I just heard blank say this. That was yours, wasn't it? And I'll be like, yeah, I'll be able to know whether or not it was because game show is all pun jokes pretty much, yeah. you know, but those are easy, but they're also really hard because you have to do them in succession. So I don't know. It's 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 definitely fun, and it's something I very much enjoy. Now, did doing. you did you train in this? Did you study stand up, or was it just an innate thing that happened? Because what I want to to give back to the people that are listening is, where do you begin? You just write, and then you just get up there. What what's the process for the stand up world? Can you help us on that? Sure. I, I mean, I don't know if it's the correct path. I'm sure every single person has a different approach. Uh, I just absorbed it all. I mean, anything that I could possibly watch that was stand-up, that was my style, not my style, things that I enjoyed that I didn't enjoy, comedians who were canceled, comedians who were insanely successful, and I just would watch, and I would watch, and I would listen, and I would listen to how they would tell jokes, and I would see if they would do the same joke differently on different, uh, like, because back, like, when I, when you go to, like, the YouTube school of, like, Dangerfield and Woody Allen and all these different others, and Bob Newhart and, and, I don't know, Sherry 
Sherry and Lamb Chop and all these different comedians, you see if they do the same joke on a different show in a different way. And you can try to figure out which one is more evolved and which got a better better laugh and who didn't. And then it's just writing and writing for yourself and just trying and writing and writing. And, and most writing, as you're aware, is not good and most comics are not good. But the ones who study it and the ones who are good make it worthwhile, the ones who do yeah. the work. So I think it's all about just absorbing as much as you possibly can. Can you take a comedy class? Sure. But you're still going to have to do all the work of watching and watching and watching and watching and reading tons of books. I have heard bunches of books on stand-up. You, what, can you recommend anything? Do you know offhand? Yeah, uh, my two my two favorite um, books. One is by uh, Franklin Ajay. Uh, he's a he's a musical comedian. He used to play the sax. He did the Tonight Show like 150 times. Uh, Franklin Ajay's uh, Comic Insight is an excellent book as far as finding your approach to who you are as a comedian. And mm -hmm. also a, a write, it's an old writer's book called The Comic Toolbox. Mm -hmm. And it's more of a writing, but I think it works for jokes really well too. What is it that you just, you just, you can't even tell people to relax because you never had the nerves, but at the beginning, did you? Were you, were you insecure at all? Or you just had that inner confidence about it? Because I think confidence is the win for everybody in any field. I'll agree. Uh, I mean, at the beginning, absolutely. I think, but it was more, I think I kind of just took my knocks when I was playing rhythm guitar in a band. Because I, it was like, we were on stage, like, a lot, like, probably four or five times a week in our rehearsing. So you got used to being up there. So when I shed all that, and it was just me up there, I wasn't nervous the way most people would be nervous because mm -hmm. I'd been there. And you, it, started, you started music first. I started in music first, but that was when I was early 20s. And uh, yeah, I just like audiences are, I don't, I'm not afraid of audiences. They're all there for the purpose of being entertained. You just kind of have to figure it out. And it's usually not that tricky to figure out what it is. You know, it, it was definitely hard during pandemic because laughter is contagious. And when you would start again doing these shows outside and they would separate tables, you wouldn't have an opportunity for laughter to connect and catch on. Yeah. So that was a different thing. And then when people were doing concerts with people honking in their cars instead of it's just it is what it is but the i think inside inside comedy is great i mean it's just like it's just a rush i would imagine it's the same between doing a theater acting thing and a movie because obviously movies same. 20 million takes same but it's the same because it's it's the same because it's entertainment right. you are a vehicle of a of to in, you know inspire and entertain people just like acting is the difference is, is taking somebody else's words. So you're taking your words and embellishing. So what I want to say, so just to reiterate for young people that are, most people come here for, you know, acting and comedy and drama and whatever. But a lot of people, I do have a lot of people that are doing stand-up just to get their their image out there because they really like it. So uh -huh. go to stand-up. I mean, go to open mics. Yeah, correct. Write, write, write. Correct. Try different material every night. Uh -huh. uh, read and do your research constantly. Look at every single comic out there that has done. Follow, imitate, you know, whatever. See what works. What else? Anything else? Yeah, I like to do the, uh, one one fun thing. I, a note that I like to give is whatever you are certain is the punchline. Think of whatever the opposite of that is, because it changes you and like completely opens up all these different doors. Like, let's say you say you have a setup of. Tim and Jeff walk into a bar, they see the bartender, bartender says this, therefore this is the punchline. I'm like, all right, 
we'll now mess it up. What's the weirdest thing that could happen instead of this thing that you know works? What's the opposite? Maybe they're leaving the bar. Maybe they're being chased. Maybe they're whatever. Like, and you, it just opens doors for different mm. comedic opportunities. It works in writing as well, I guess, for scene work. But, but definitely try to just try to mess things up to put them back together. You know, the oddities, just like in the quirkiness. So, what are you doing now, and how has COVID affected your life? Um, I got lucky. I just, uh, I mean, for the most part, a lot of there, I didn't really. Stop. Yeah, I mean, I was able to do shows for my house like once a week, which was cool. Yeah. Um, and then I was able to work on other things and like help people punch things up. And I had other people who like I, I punched up a couple of different hour specials during COVID. Mm. And what does that mean? People don't know. What does it mean? Punch up? I know, but let explain. Okay, so for example, um, someone like a comedian will say. Um, I'm really light on jokes on this topic and I want to do a bunch more because it's kind of what my whole thing is about. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so then I just write a bunch of jokes in that topic and just help them or they'll, they'll submit me their hour and I'll be like, all right, well, there's too much here and there's too much setup here and there's maybe you could add this and you know, so it's just, you're basically editing for money, someone else's jokes. And then people know you just because of your stand-up and because you people know you as a writer now. So people in the stand-up world, what happens? You you make your name as a stand-up and you do your tours and your and you do your shows and then other people start hiring you for their stuff. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, I just I've, I've just been so I've just I've just been lucky. I just uh, I mean, I got to do everything that I wanted to do with stand-up. Now, as an older dude who doesn't want to be on the road 50 weeks a year. I'm fortunate enough to be able to write on TV shows and go out when I can. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I mean, it's just, every situation is different, I suppose. Does that make yeah. sense? What do you want to do? Do you want to be on a show, a one show, or do you like doing more of the uh, just, going in the desert and sitting and writing jokes? What do you want? I mean, I think, I mean, obviously, in a perfect world, I would like to be on camera or perform, you know, perform more frequently. Mm -hmm. Realistically, um, I'm going to focus on creating shows, which I want to do. Um, I've, I've come close. I've sold one that went as far as a pilot and then just nothing happened. Well, that's but, amazing. No, that's yeah, I got it. I got it over the goal line and then it just disappeared, but got it over the goal line. So yeah. that means it's doable. That's right. Um, and I want to continue. Eventually, I think I'd like to show run. Um, and I'm still learning. I think I'm probably, I think I'm probably maybe one or two shows away from getting a co-EP credit, and then eventually do show running. That's, That's the goal. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So, are you performing live anywhere now? Yeah, I uh, I perform, you know, locally in LA, Laugh Factory, and the Improv whenever I can, and then I'll I'll go out probably three or four weeks a year if that. Now, because I mean, people are doing it now, they, they've we've come to accept how to wear masks and to do it safely. So travel is happening again. Yes. Yeah. And in some situations like California is great. I mean, we've really taken it seriously as irritating as it was. I'm so glad that the state for the most part uh, really dove into the mask mandate, because when you go on the road, it's just it's an entirely different mentality. Like. <sighs> I was in Atlanta a few months ago and the guy picked me up 
and didn't have a mask on. And I was like, so what's going on with masks here? And he's like, we don't talk about masks. We're over masks. If you talk about masks, you shut up. He's like, you're not one of those mask people, are you? And I have my mask on. And I was just like, uh-uh, no. No, I stay away. Oh, my God. And yeah, a lot of people just don't care. And it's they one of the one of the jokes that I have in my set, which makes fun of people, is like, uh, it's good to be here. I don't have COVID. I can't get COVID. Obviously, I'm American. And, you know, and it works. So, yeah, it's definitely. We interesting. can't even go down the political road right now because forget it. I will be so lit. It will be. Yeah. Ridiculous. I know. I, I agree. But in those situations, when you're as from a stand up perspective, I 1000 percent do not participate in like some crazy person who is anti or whatever. Right. It's cool, man. That's what you think. He's right? actually just giving you material. He's just it giving. You, thank you. Thank you for that. Cause he's giving you more material. Okay. Yeah. Before we close out, is there anything inspirational you can say that you want to tell people out there that are starting in writing in standup, even in acting, cause it's all the same thing. What, what are your belief systems about staying on track? Anything inspirational you can say? Um, I don't know about inspirational, but right above my, right above there, like behind you, I have written on the wall, uh, and I look at it every single day, uh, two different things. One is a quote from Norman Lear, which is, even this I get to experience, the mm. title of his book, which is, regardless of whatever it is that's coming at you, you are fortunate enough to experience it. And that quote I love and it like hit me 15 years ago or whenever that book came out and I read it and I love it um and I also next to it my own words I have stay the course focus uh breathe believe hard never give up and I just look at that every day and it's just some silly thing that I wrote and it gets me in my brain of whenever I am like oh I don't have a bunch of shows you know you know the actor crazy yes. like, oh I don't have one I don't whatever and just stay the course you're gonna get hired on something stay else. the course believe Never give up. Yeah. Jay Chris Newberg, thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Sherry. I, I'm so happy to see you. It's Good been too. way too long, and I love you. I'm sending love to you, and much more success. Thank and you. Uh, what's the show you have that you're in, that you're acting in? What is it? Let's just do a little. Oh, I'm not. I'm not acting. I just uh, the, that show that I was just that I just wrapped. I was um, consulting. No, um, the movie that you were in. The oh. One yeah, it was. It's called Faith, Hope. It's either called Faith, Hope, Love or Faith, Hope, and Love. But uh, yeah, there's some cool people in it. It's like Ed Asner's in it, um, Corbin Benson, yeah. Michael Richards, myself. But where? Where do we see this? Oh, where Netflix. Okay, on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Say the title one more time. <laughs> it's called Faith, Hope, and Love. I don't know. Let's go watch it. I'm going to yeah. go watch it. Let's go watch it. Everybody, thank you. Thank you so much. Stay courteously aggressive out there and uh, see you soon.